Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor Joaquin G. Molina invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Like this, those closest to God always got the favor of knowing his secrets. The Bible says that the secrets of the Lord belong to his servants. So it's not unusual that in Mark, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 13, and in verse 3, as Jesus was sitting there with his followers, that there would be that uh, leaning over. And, and I love this because this, this shows how we will have private sessions that are uh, godly ordained and divine. Um, and they said that they leaned over to the Lord. In verse 3, he says, Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, and you guys, I don't know if you guys have ever been there in the Mount of Olives, um, but it's on the east side of Jerusalem, and you sit there and you can watch the whole city. And they were sitting on that mountain, and they were asking the Lord, Lord, by the way, there's something to the effect that that side of Jerusalem is going to be impacted by your coming. Because it was foretold in the Old Testament that the great king would come in into the city through the east side. And so they're sitting right now at the stage of the last event that's going to happen upon the earth. When Jesus will come and take his reign upon the earth. So how appropriate is for them to say, hey, um, while we're here in the setting, verse 4, they ask him, uh, privately, can you tell us uh, about these things, how they'll end, how these things are going to finish, and what will be the sign when all these things will be fulfilled? Uh, I guarantee, um, just like Wellington Boone is coming tomorrow, everybody will be here. Jesus is coming, and hopefully people will be here, and, and they're going to wait for that. One day will he'll come, and then they'll all show up. So this is the mindset of humanity. They're going to wait to the last second, and they're asking him, tell us when, at what time these things will be, and what will be the sign that these things will occur. And Jesus began to say, see that no one, take heed, be careful that no one deceives you. Um, I want to tell you that the last days are going to be super confusing. Deception is going to be rampant. You're going to want to say, okay, who do I listen to? Because I, if I listened to the Mayas, I was supposed to leave on uh, 10, December 12, 2012, or December 21st. And you listen to different people, you're going to get different answers. There's a guy this last year that said it was going to come, what was it, July 4th? In July, it was the end of the world, July 3rd, whatever the case may be. But the scenario is, whoever you listen to is going to have information. And Jesus is concerned that we not be deceived, that we would not be led astray. Because confusion will be in the air. I want to tell you that I'm part of a Christian family that has been serving the Lord for 29 years. And even within our small little family that doesn't represent a big deal, there's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of confusion because my cousins are like, my, my nephews are like, do we listen to you, Theo? Or do we listen to my dad? Or do we listen to my brother? Or There's confusion in the air. There's not a clear line. And that is just a representation of our times. Uh, there's a loss of a capacity to have truth on your side, reality. Um, and so that's what he's saying. He's saying, be careful. Be careful because the, the, sner the serpent deceived Eve. You know, anybody could be deceived. And the, the problem with deception is you don't even know it's happening. That's scary as heck. 
And so um, we need to be careful and, and we need to cherish truth. Truth cannot be, uh, we, we cannot, uh, it cannot be, uh, what's it called? Uh, elusive. It cannot disappear in our lives. Uh, I tell people that the truth is like being handed a kite. I don't know if when you were small and went to the park and your dad says, okay, I'm going to give you this kite. You hold on to it real hard. Don't let go. And if you were like me and I, you know, you're like, uh, I wonder what it feels like to let go. Ah, whoosh, it's gone. It's gone. You played with what you shouldn't have played with. And a lot of people do that. A lot of people think that they could lose truth and find it again. I want to tell you it's not like that. Hold on to truth. Hold on to what you know. And so he's talking about a time. They're talking about the end times. The first thing he says is deception. Um, we're going to get into, in, into Paul, who's a master craft in teaching and leaving a legacy of divine truth. And he tells Timothy, in the last days, there'll be great imposters. They will deceive and be deceived. And so he tells them that as they talk and consider all these things. But I want to continue here as Jesus continues to tell his followers, um, see that no one deceives you, leads you astray, puts you on the wrong road. Uh, verse 6, for many will come in my name saying, hey, I got the answer. I have the goods, I have the provision, and it says they will lead, they will deceive many. And deception has the capacity to deceive many. And if you're following the majority, you're, you're going the wrong way, especially in our times. In the times of Noah, the majority didn't get on the boat. I'm sure they were saying, so, hey, you getting on? Eh, I'm not going to get on, man. It's, and so they, amongst themselves, were were deceiving themselves, and, and they, they, they fell under horrible consequences. Verse 7, it says, When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. The, the political strife upon the earth is a reality. I, I, can, I can probably go up to basically any young person who doesn't know much of anything and tell them who in the world are at war. Who do you think has been, well, where was the last war? They'll say Afghanistan, Iraq, uh, North Korea. They'll, they'll just point out to all these places all over the earth that are full of wars and rumors of wars, who's going to attack who, what's going to happen next. And it says, do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. These are but the beginning of pains. And so I, will, I was just saying this afternoon as we were having uh, a late lunch, early dinner, that I don't know how you feel, but the Bible says the righteous are getting saved with difficulty. It's hard to be a Christian. Even, you know, you're a Christian and you believe in God. And he says, if the righteous, let's go read that verse real quick in 1 Peter uh, chapter 4, verse 18. 1 Peter 4, 18. Peter writes these words. Now, if the righteous one is scarcely saved, that means he's, he's jumping on the boat just by, by the, the mere mercies of God. 
where then will the ungodly and the sinner be? What will, what will they be? The guys that, that when, the, when the advice of the Lord comes out, they're like, hmm, all right. You know, hey, mister, it's through that door. Well, you know something, I have a difference of opinion. I, I think, of, I see it in a different light. I, if, if the righteous is barely making it, what's going to happen to these guys that are not following the Lord, that are not listening to God, that have all these other scenarios? Um, and so I, I want you to know that as we finish the in year here, uh, and we're prepared to receive the new year here in a couple days. Um, I want to, I want to encourage you that that you be part of those people that that are pressing in to the things of God. First Peter four seven, that same chapter in verse seven, it says like this: It says the end of all things is at hand. Well, when is this end going to happen? Peter writes, it's happening. The end of all things is not going to happen. It's happening. You don't have to wait down the road for some event or some occurrence. Peter writes, the end of all things is now. We're living the end times. Um, I don't know how to get people serious about the Lord. How, how do you get people to say, listen, uh, I remember we went to a missionary trip in Nicaragua and we came back and I was concerned about our boys because... They were like, no, it was Mexico, actually. Um, Nick was like seven years old. Joshua was six. And Brandon was five. And I was concerned. I said, Lord, you know, so every time we have vacation, we go on a missionary trip. So these guys never get to go anywhere else. Is this good or bad? Am I, am I raising normal children or not? And when we came back from Mexico, they ran over to the neighbor's house. And they preached to their two best friends, to Chris and Alex. And they had told them about Jesus Christ, and they were into some deep spiritual theology there. And they were telling them that if you come to Jesus Christ, he'll wash you white as snow. And Nick is seven years old, and he's preaching the gospel. And, and Joshua's his, his, his evangelist friend, and Brandon is a fireball. And so finally they come over to Yvette, and they knock on it. Mom, could you find that place where the, where the Bible says white as snow, white as snow, white as snow? So Yvette goes and looks up the verse, and she gives them the Bible, and they run across uh, to the house, and they're showing their friends that they need to get saved and white as snow. So they're in the backyard now. They're in our backyard. They had come back from, from that uh, missionary trip, and uh, they're holding hands because one of the neighbors wanted to accept Jesus Christ. Alex wanted to come to the Lord. And so as they held hands, because Chris, the older brother, he says, no, I just want to play with you guys. I don't want to accept the Lord. So as they prayed for Alex to receive the Lord, Brandon's like five years old. And he looks up at, you know, he had to look up to his neighbor friend. He goes, this is serious. This is serious. He's five years old. This is serious. And how sad it is that people are 40 and 50 and it's not serious to them. And I pray that every breath we take in this house is a serious breath of God. A serious breath of faithfulness to God. And so the Bible says the end of all things has now come. What should be our mindset? Our mindset is to keep these things serious. 1 Peter 4, 7. Since we're living in the last days, since this is the reality that God is about to show up on the scene, he says, therefore, be serious. Be serious. 
I, I don't, you know, don't play with God. Don't play with conversations about his coming. Don't play about conversations about going to church or not going to church. Is, uh, Paul used to weep when he used to hear somebody backslide because he knew the devastating effects of hell. He used to weep. He couldn't talk about somebody not walking right with the Lord without weeping. And so that's, that should be our mindset. Therefore, be serious and then uh, vigilant. We should be awake. We should be on the scene. We should know what's going on. Be vigilant in your prayers. Ask God for a closer relationship with him. And so uh, this is what I want to share tonight is that during these serious times and those people that, that would be related to us and walk with us and know us know that, that each one of our relationships is genuine and authentic. Uh, we're not selling ourselves to be the elite or the perfect, but the serious, yeah, like a heartbeat. Heartbeat, serious, or a heartbeat away from eternity, which, which is funny because every time somebody tells me, hey, do you think we're living the last days? Well, I have friends that have already passed on. So well, it is the last days. You're, I've been saying it this week. I've talked to a lot of people about the Lord, and this is what I've told them. I don't know if I'll see you again. I don't know if I'm going to be able to tell you what I'm about to tell you. And so that's, that's how I'm walking that's how I'm walking. I, I don't know if I'll see you again. So because I'm seeing you now, I want to tell you the most important thing I can tell you. And I want to tell them that, that God is real and that Jesus Christ is there for them. So, so that's how we should be living our days. Now, um, the first group of people in the last days that you can be affiliated with are those that know truth. The, 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 we should know things about the last days. We should know things. We should be convinced. We should be confident of these things. And so I always use this verse in 1 Chronicles 12, 32. The descendants of a man called Issachar. And the Bible says the sons of Issachar. And you can put your name right there with Issachar. The sons of Joaquin. The sons of, of Rivera, the, the followers, the, the faithful sons, those that are the followers of Dr. Blas Prieto. And who are these men? They says they had understanding of the times. They weren't a bunch of goofballs. They, they knew exactly the times they were living. And the sons of Issachar were, were, were men of renown. They knew the times they were living. They knew what God's people ought to do. They knew. They had a road map. They followed the, the instruction of that time. And so important as, as, the, as the days grow darker... Confusion increases. Presidents and Congress and leaders, they rage and they, they're all over the place. And you're like, what do these people believe and what makes them move and what convictions do they have? And, and you'll notice that there's few and far between of people that know the times, understand them, and know what we ought to do. And then they were leaders. Their chiefs were 200 This, this speaks of the capacity, and, and I, I speak ever more on this scenario. We're living a generation without leaders. When you, when you talk about absent fathers, we're talking about guys that are hanging their gloves and saying, no, thank you. This is absent fathers. How about those men that don't want to be husbands? They don't want to lead. 
Women scare them. Oh, you scare me. Why? Because you don't know what to do, and I don't either. I'm going to call my mom. This is the day we're living in. Men full of fear and no faith. Men without strong spirit of God. David says, you come against me with all that. I got the spirit of God on me. That's a spirit of a champion, of a warrior. It's a spirit that impacts nations and stands alone. When no one else stands, he's standing. And he's fighting the battles of the Lord. So that the, the capacity to be able to lead 200, 200. Some men can't even lead themselves. They have no provision. They're confused. I'll tell you why they're confused. They're double-minded. They're unstable in all their ways. They don't have the Spirit of God. They haven't decided that Christ is king. Blessed is the man who fears God. His children will be mighty upon the land. The fear of God brings the Spirit of God down, and you're a warrior and a champion. End of story. You're not a fly-by-night, and you're not a clown. You're not double-taking the words of God. Thus saith the Lord. And you're slamming it right there. That's where it's in. All discussion is ended by having a stark contrast of the word of God. Deep conviction. Uh, They were chiefs. They were the leaders of 200. And everybody related to them held the weight of respect at their command. That's what leadership is, weightiness. Being able to lead is, is not wavering in the wind. Not, not changing, uh, we were watching that, that, um, that commercial with, with one of these chameleons that keeps changing colors. Every time they put an eyeglass of a different color, they, they put a pink eyeglass and it turns pink. Put a green one, it turns green. You put a red one, it turns red. And, and th- this is what leadership has become in our time. What do you want us to say? And we're going to say it. And it's horrible. It's, it's ludicrous. But, okay, so we're, we're talking about men who know the times. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1. Paul was one of these men, and he writes these words, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse uh, 5. It, no, it's 5, verse 1. 1 Thessalonians 5, 1. He says, Concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. What's he saying? You guys know it by heart. I don't have to remind you by my letters what's going on. And so Paul is telling them this. He goes, you have no need that I write. For you, verse 2, you yourselves know perfectly These aren't guys that are looking for answers outside. They have got the answers. They've imported it. They've downloaded it. It's part of their reality. They're they're solidly anchored on truth. You yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord comes like a thief in the night when people don't expect it. When outside everybody's having a conversation of security, verse 3, and peace, when they say peace and safety, Sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. There's no provision outside of God. And then it says, verse 4, but you are not of the darkness. You're not hanging out in this cloud of clowns. You're not a part of the fray of, of fly-by-nights. 
that this day should overtake you and steal anything from you. Why? Verse 5. For you are sons of the light. You are sons of the day. We don't belong either to the night or to darkness. So therefore, let us not sleep. Let's not goof off like others do, but let us watch, be vigilant. Let us be sober. Let's not be under the influence of wrong things. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But we belong to the day. Therefore, let us be sober. Let us be serious. Put on that covering of faith and love, the helmet of hope. For God has not appointed us to wrath, but to salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have no fact that he, we, we know for a fact that he died for us so that whether we are alive or dead, we might live according to him and share his life. Therefore, the atmosphere of the things we know and that we're anchoring on, verse 11, let us comfort each other and edify one another just as you are also doing. And then it says, stay close, verse 12, to those who lead. We urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are leaders in the Lord and admonish you. Stay close to those people that are leading you. That's, that's the best thing, that's the best place you could be. Next to the guy who wants to leave with the Lord. You're, you're watching him, you're looking at him. Stay close. Um, he says in verse 12, Now also, brethren, to get those who... Uh, we urge you, brethren, to recognize who labor among you and are over you and admonish you in the Lord. Verse 13, And hold them as total imbeciles who are fanatics for the Lord, it says, esteem them highly, love them because of what they do. Love them, appreciate them, hold them in high esteem. Yeah, I, I, this, <laughs> one of the men here at the church wanted to bless his wife for Christmas and went to get her a diamond, all right? Not, not to say anything about the rest of you, but we know you guys love your wives. But I love being with that diamond broker. He just whipped out that. It's like, that's a ba that's beauty. You know, to, to be able to value something, to give it its worth. Listen, some people don't know how to value. They don't know what the worth of things are. They just flush anything down the toilet. Um, and, and Paul is saying, listen, in the last days, as everything is going really crazy, you better give some value to men of God. You, you better know how to value men that are speaking to you something different. You know, that's a matter of life or death. I mean, I don't know what the price on Noah's head was in his time, but, but that guy was valuable. That guy had a direct contact with God. And so there are people like Noah, and, and I believe that God speaks to them. And they, they know, they see, they hear, they, they understand things. And Paul is saying, look, uh, appreciate their work. Verse 14, it says... Call the attention of those that are out of order. I, I have a saying. It's not my saying. Uh, my saying is like it. One bad apple ruins the whole lot. Right? Listen to me. The Bible says, we exhort you, we call your attention, brethren, that means all of us, warn those who are out of order. Call the attention of those people that are leading 
the flock astray. Remember the petting zoo over at uh, Jurgen's house some years ago? Um, I started crying because the door opened and the goat let everybody out, including the sheep. And I looked at the sheep. I said, don't follow the goat. <laughs> How are you going to be following the goat? Well, that's what Paul's saying. Listen, call each other's attention. Call each other's attention. Warn those who are out of order, unruly, can't be governed. They, they, they don't have rules. They don't have boundaries. They don't, they, don't have, they don't understand. Comfort the weak, the faint-hearted. Uphold, lift those that are weak. Be patient with all. Get a double dose of patience. Or else, you, I tell Jose Medero all the time, brother, if you don't get patience, you're going to be like Moses. You're going to be left out. Moses got upset at the people he was leading. So he got left out. And I know that if I get really upset, I'm just going to leave. So I told Jose Medeiros, I'm not getting upset. I'm not getting upset. I'm not going to let anything shake or rattle my chain. I'm, I got patience. I got patience. I'm waiting on the Lord. God is good. Um, so I'm not going to lose that. It says, see that none of you repays evil for evil, but always aim to show kindness, seeking good for one another. These are all, and you guys could read them, uh, for the end days, you guys get tuned up. First Thessalonians 5, all those verses, uh, real powerful verses of how to get spiritually tuned for the last days. Verse 27, it's even biblical what I'm saying here when it says, read this letter to everyone. Sit down and read this letter to people. Say, hey, brother, come here. I, I want to tune you for the last days and just tune them up. Get them ready to go with Christ. Say, you know something? I care about you a lot. I want to be serious about what we're doing. Um, and so what is, the, what is the consequence of uh, those in the last days that are not going to be walking in this spirit? Um, we're going to leave that portion for the end here because we want to finish with a bang here. But let's go to those. We just talk about those that know in the last days. These guys are sharp. They know what they're doing. They're doing what they're supposed to do. They're leading other people. They're, they're, they're in the zone. Like they say, you know, uh, in sports, when you're slam dunking it, you're just doing what you're supposed to be doing the way you're supposed to be doing. There's those that are ignorant. In Matthew 24, 37, the Bible says, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be when the Lord returns. Matthew 24, 37. In the next verse, 38, it says, but for as in the days before the flood, right before the end of all times, they were eating, drinking, marrying, giving into marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And, and verse 39 tells you why um, there's those that know. And verse 39 says they did not know. There's going to be a portion of our generation that knows, that are counting the days, the moments, the time, that are that are considering, just like the, the three wise men, the times of Jesus, they're looking at the light in the sky, what it's speaking, and they're walking towards that reality. There's people that don't have a clue. They didn't know until the flood came and took them all away. So the same will be the, son, the coming of the Son of Man. People without a clue. People without a clue. Paul talks to them about them in 2 Timothy 3.7. He says, these are those that are always learning, always learning. Man, they've been Christians forever. 
ever, 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 and never come to the knowledge of truth. Always sitting in class, always going to church, and always living contrary to God's truth. They, don't, they can't leave a legacy of blessing. They haven't been able to lead by example. If we were to follow their example, we would end up in hell just like them. We would end up far from God, far from blessing, far from eternity. God has opened a way for us to not do that. But there are certain people that they don't know. And it doesn't matter how much you teach them, always learning. Hey, my friend, you're not supposed to do that. You, you can tell them five years in a row, every Christmas comes around, you can tell them, hey, you know something? You know. It's like if they heard it the first time. Huh? 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 Uh, just ignorant. They do not want to know. I feel sorry and really bad about that scenario because I remember there was a season in my life as people tried to talk to me. I just I don't understand. I, I think being able to understand is, is God touching us. I think it's a gift of God. It really is. It's a gift of God for him to be clarity to a, but you know the Bible says he gives grace to the humble I don't think anybody that doesn't humble themselves can understand and, and I'll tell you what I've been a Christian 29 years I consider myself a strong Christian and I still want to know more I still want to press into I want to be closer to the Lord I want to be closer to understanding a lot of things that he wants me to understand but these people um, they don't want to uh, 2 Peter 3.16, um, Peter is writing about Paul, and he says, Peter, the Apostle Peter, is writing about the Apostle Paul, and he says, Paul is writing some deep things for people to understand some things, because Paul wrote deep walk with the Lord. And he says, also in all of Paul's epistles, speaking in them of these things which we should know, some of these things are hard to understand. And those people that are ignorant and unstable, they twist everything that Paul says. And they do so with the rest of the scriptures. You know a Christian that says he could keep on sinning and God loves him and nothing's going to happen? They teach the grace of God as a license to sin. There's people that grab the Bible and start twisting it and, and you know what? They, they, they really destroy what God is trying to tell them through the scriptures. People that know, people that don't know. How about the people that don't want to know? Do you know anybody like that? Hey, hey, don't tell me. Because if I don't know, I'll be fine. They're like the ostrich. They stick their head in the ground and don't want to pay attention. So we have these people there in Hebrews 5.11. It says, concerning this, we have much to say which is hard to explain to you. We have a lot of things that we want to teach you. How many, how many understand to be a world changer, you can't be a fly-by-night? There's a lot of download that takes place. And some people, instead of receiving the download, they're like, I don't want to, you know. I'm taking care of me, myself, and I. I can't take care of anybody else. Well, here it is. He says, we have much to say. 
The writer of Hebrews is saying, we want to download a lot of things that you should know, and they're very difficult to explain, not because they're difficult to explain, but because you don't want to know them. The people that know, people that don't know, and people that don't want to know. They're hard to explain because you don't want to understand them. Hey, brother, you can have one wife, and you need to be married and have a family. You get it? Three, no, no, listen to me. It's hard to explain because you don't want to hear it. You don't want to listen. And so that is why these people, um, they don't want to know. For by this time, verse 12, he says, you should be teaching this stuff. By this time, you should go out to the world and draw that line in the, in the Proverbial sand. Hey, brother, this is the, where the line goes. Honor mom and dad. Right there, right there, right, right there, right there. So you should be teaching the stuff already, and you cannot teach. You need someone to teach you again the first principles of God's word. And you need milk and not solid. And every year it's milk and not solid. And milk and not solid. And, and you're stuck on we, we, we can do that here because this is like a family inside the word. This is not what we tell people outside. Inside we say you're stuck on stupid. And God wants you to get you into wisdom. God wants you to leave away foolish ways and start having deep, solid spiritual food. Even though by this time you should be full grown. You should have already been instructed. In verse 13 he says, For everyone who continues on milk is obviously a babe, unskilled. He's a babe. He doesn't want to go out and draw a line. Verse 14, but solid food is for full-grown men who have the faculties being trained up by imitating righteous men to be able to distinguish between good and bad, right and wrong. That's what the battle is in our world. We draw that line between what's right and what's wrong, what's good and bad. And so spiritually mature, strong men, they know. They, you know and these people, it doesn't matter how much they don't want to know. Um, these men are found in 2 Peter 3.3. 3. It says, to begin with, you must understand that in the last days, there will be mockers that will come. That's what a mocker is. Don't want to know what's right or wrong. Because if I know, then I can't be foolish. If I know what the behavior is for a world changer, then I can't act like a clown. They're walking according to their own lust. They don't want to know. Um, we could read that in 2 Timothy chapter 3, where Paul actually tells Timothy, he says, listen, in the last days are going to be some very dangerous times because they're going to be swapping the pie. They're going to be changing reality right before your very eyes. And they're going to be asking you what's wrong with it. And he goes there and he says in verse 2 Timothy 3, verse 13. And I believe this is 2013 right there. Evil men and imitators will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But verse 14 says, you continue in the things which you've learned, the things that you know, and know whom you've learned them from. Verse 15, that from your childhood you've known the Bible, which is able to make you wise unto salvation in Christ Jesus. You know that while there's confusion, 
while people are going crazy, you know what you've learned, you know who you learned it from, and you know that it's grounded on, in the Bible. And so, so far, we have the distinction of those who know, those who don't know, those who don't want to know, don't want to know. They're like, la, 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 la. If I don't know, ignorant is bliss. La, 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 I don't want to know, I don't want to know, I don't want to know. And those that know and they decide to put up their fist and say, come on, baby. Let's, let's fight because I'm going to rebel all out. And this is, the, this is the most dangerous type of people. People that know truth and live contrary to it. You see these people over there in Revelations 8. Uh, I'm sorry, Revelation 16, verse 8. This is not the people that know. It's not the people that don't know. It's not the people that don't want to know. It's the people who know and rebel. The fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and power was given to him to scorch men with fire. Now, I want you to get this mental picture. There's a big bowl of fire, hot, and it's being poured over your head as a judgment of being far from God. And these people, instead of kneeling down and saying, I quit and I surrender, you know what they do? They refuse to repent. Verse 9, the men scorch with great heat. They blaspheme the name of God who has power over these plagues, and they did not repent and give him glory. Now, to me, that is rebellion to the rebellion on steroids. Because some people rebel, they don't know they're going to get spanked. But getting spanked all out, they're saying, you know something? I'm not changing. And so here these people are, I believe, hardening their heart. Because not only does the first bowl come over their head, verse 10 says like this. Not only were they scorched with head. Then the fifth angel poured out the bowl on the throne of the beast, and the kingdom became full of darkness. And they gnawed their tongues because of the pain. It's just pouring out buckets of deep darkness upon their lives. In verse 11, it says like this. They blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores and did not repent of their, of their deeds. This is a clash of the titans. God coming to save the earth and these people pursuing their destruction at deep levels. And so you'll see that uh, there's a woman married to these men. There's the female aspect of these in Revelations 2.21 where God deals with this woman, Jezebel, and the Bible says that he came after her with ve ve uh, vehemence, and it says, and I gave her time to repent of doing that which is wrong, of her sexual immorality, and she did not repent. God God just stretched the time. She said, no, I'm going to continue to live without repentance. And so these are the people that uh, the approach of those rebelling in the last days. So I want to encourage you as we enter in uh, the closing of this year that, that there would be uh, a, a stronger inner desire for you to pull into the kingdom for you to press on to your spiritual inheritance. For you, listen to me, and I, I, I've said this a thousand times, I don't know, I'll say it a thousand million times. Uh, take your Christianity to another level. 
Take it, you know, take it to another level. Don't, don't let anybody make you compromise because that is the hallmark of great destruction for your life and for those things that are coming. I, I love, and I'm going to finish with this Revelations. Um, let's go there. In Revelations chapter... Let's go to the end of Revelations. And, and we're going to read this here. Um, Revelations 22, verse 11. He who is unjust, lined up in the, the righteousness of God. If, if you want to just continue on doing things your own way, listen to me. Mar yourself up real good in that direction. Don't, don't stress yourself out. If what you want to do is fall outside of God's favor and outside of his grace and outside of his forgiveness and you just want to become bar, part of darkness, you know, it says continue on in that direction. He who is filthy, let him be filthy more. Don't, don't confuse God with your intentions. So like, I'm over there, but on the inside I'm over there. No, no, my friend, listen to me. Line up. Whatever's on your inside, make it your outside. Whatever's your outside, make it your inside. Get to where you're going so that the line is clear. And then he who is righteous, he who loves God, he who pursues the, the understanding of his word, let him, let him press towards righteousness. And he who has separated himself unto God, separate yourself unto God even more. Make it clear that you're inside, you're outside, and, and here's my confession a couple years ago. Ready? Lord, every last cell in my body belongs to you. You purchased it at the cross of Calvary. I am a work of your grace. I am a vessel of your mercy. I'm an instrument of your honor and your reality. So let's stand tonight and, and get ready for these world-changing end times um, where people will define and clarify what you're doing and why you're doing it with all due in intentional effort and, and power. Uh, stay away from shady people. What's that mean? The, the undefined, unrefined. Don't let them come and, and, and bring down your spiritual fervor into lukewarm tones and temperature. The Bible says that I will vomit you out of my mouth. And I've learned a lesson. I've learned those people that tune it down and tone it down and relax it. And you know where they end up? They end up like that toad that got boiled, right? Put a little toad in a, in a little water. And if, if you throw him in hot water, he'll bounce out. But if you sit there and just raise up that temperature little by little... He'll stay there. He'll say, oh, man, this is comfortable whirlpool. And he'll just die in the depth of mediocrity. Um, I, I really, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I'm going I'm to confess something to you. This is really powerful. There was a time in Jesus' life where they came to the temple and they say, hey, 
your mom is waiting for you outside. And, and he says, I don't have a mom. If my mom is not here, she's not my mom. I believe it was that attitude that caused Mary to come and she was there in the upper room with the disciples. I believe it was that line that Jesus drew in her life that allowed her to be at the foot of the cross sitting there, you know, with her son. Uh, and I, I encourage you, uh, some years ago, I don't know if you guys know, but um, I've been doing this lately more and more, which is I tell my friends and my family, listen, since what I tell you doesn't matter to you and it doesn't make an effort, it doesn't, it doesn't encourage you to walk in the, I'm, we're not going to talk anymore. You and I, because you know what? I really care about where you end up. And I want you, and I, I, about five years ago at Spring Fest here at the uh, fellowship, at the spring uh, picnic, I went up to my, my, my father's sister, my aunt, and I say, Auntie, I love you to death, but this is the last time I'm talking to you. And she's like, what are you talking about? I go, yeah. See, for 15, 20 years, I've been talking to you about the Lord, and you blow me off, and you joke around with me, and you mock me, and you reject what I have to tell you. And so I'm just letting you know I love you to death. And whenever you call me, I'm going to be there. But I'm never going to go by your house again. And I'm never going to talk to you again. Because I consider that these things are really, really, really serious. And you're not paying attention to them. You know what started happening? For the first time in over 25 years, my aunt started coming to church on Wednesday nights. She'll sit down in that second row coming on Thursday nights and, and she's receiving the gospel for the first time all out serious and we're a serious family but sometimes if you don't draw a line of intentionality in those people's lives my best friends just came to me this year about a month ago on a Tuesday night three of my best friends and they said we want you to be our pastor and they're men that about six months ago I said hey mister I'm never going to talk to you again because you don't take what I have to say serious. So this is goodbye to us. And then six months later, they show up and they say, we see you're serious. We want you to be our pastor. And so we're, we're, we're responsible not only for our own lives, our own families. We're responsible for extended family and friends that they would see the seriousness by which we take these matters. And they'll always remember, they'll always remember that we wanted them to enjoy what Christ has for them to enjoy. And the fact that we pretended that everything was okay was the very fact that allowed them to continue living like if everything's okay and then when Jesus comes the eternal line has been drawn in the sand and you would say perpetually to them because they will go to hell see you later goodbye as as people see us we should be a reference in their life and this is not hatred and it's not rejection it's love and it's 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 that that aspect of Lot when he comes back from hearing the call of God to his two son-in-laws and he says tomorrow a judgment will come upon Sodom they started laughing <laughs> that was a good joke man you're just like man you're just like crazy they couldn't take him serious the very next day fire and brimstone was falling from heaven and they perished under that judgment because they weren't able to discern the times they weren't able to discern the admonition of the Lord so let's go ahead and sing this song to the Lord I just I pray that tonight would be an incentive for you to press into the kingdom get closer to the Lord get closer to his 
to the Word of God, uh, what Paul tells Timothy, you know the Holy Scriptures. They're able to save you from the perilous dark times of imposters and deceitful men. And ask God's spirit of truth to come upon you and your family and your sons, that you know what the times are, what you ought to do, and that you would be leaders in your generation, because that's what God has called his people to be in this time. Let's go ahead and listen to this song. Love's life. 